Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So he finally found out something that Tom Brady isn't good at, and that's retiring. And that might explain why he came back. There's just simply no quit in him, as I wrote in the Tampa Bay Times. We finally had a chance to talk to Tom Brady uh, at the end of the mandatory minicamp. And, you know, it's been a, a, a crazy off season, as we all know. Uh, but this is really, you know, the first time Brady addressed it. And there were things that, in Brady fashion, he kind of blocked and bridged and didn't want to go into much detail about. Um, but among the things I thought that were interesting is that he said taking this time off, the 41 days that he was out, the six six weeks or whatever, he says he got to figure out what it would be like not being part of the game, and he said that that was really interesting for him. And, you know, he, he's really obviously focused on his season this year with the Bucks. He says it's been so much fun for me to come here two years ago. It's been almost two and a half years now. He says it's been an incredible part of my football journey, and it's not over. We've got a lot to accomplish. So, you know, we, we did the best we could. Uh, the The writers that cover the team were firing questions at Brady for about 10 minutes or so maybe. And he he started by refuting a bunch of news reports about his relationship with Bruce Arians. And, you know, we remember at the uh, after the Rams game, the defeat there, and then his retirement, there were some stories that came out that said, um, that their relationship had soured in the uh, final days. Um, and, you know, Arians was really put off by that. Uh, Brady really just didn't address it. He did address it uh, a little bit in this press conference. Um, and this is probably, you know, as, as adamant as, he, as he's been kind of about anything because, you know, a lot of these questions he, he more or less spoke, you know, in generalities. And so when he was asked – you know, was there any animosity, any problems between him and Bruce Arians? And he said, just quite frankly, zero whatsoever. He said, he and I have a great relationship. I think that's part of why I chose to be here because of Bruce. Uh, we've had communi- incredible communication. I have a lot of respect for him. He knows how I feel about him. The most important thing is uh, that, and, and I know how he feels about me. Listen, I am pretty close in that building and, and know both guys pretty well, especially Bruce. And I think there's a little bit of, you know, where there, to me, where there's smoke, there's a little bit of fire, and there's been a little bit of smoke here. Tom Brady is not one that's going to, as we've talked about on this podcast, order the code red. He did not give an ultimatum to the Bucks and said, well, I will return and play if that guy's not coaching. I don't think that ever happened. Are there things he prefers maybe uh, that Bulls will do over Tom Brady? There is, and we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, but I really do believe that, you know, Arians got to a point when Brady decided to come back. I think Bruce was thinking about retirement anyway um, after this after this upcoming season. And so, you know, there he was sitting with with both Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich, two guys he thought were going to get jobs. I think that evolved. And that, and again, I don't I don't think it's a bad thing for Brady. I think he probably was feels more comfortable with Bowles as we talked about. 
because Bowles is more old school. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. Also, Bill Parcells um, sort of, you know, guy as well. Um, but, you know, it, it is clear that at least publicly and, and also privately, because they spent some time this week together, that these guys like each other. There's no there's no there there. Um, and, of course, you know, Bruce has a different role. And so if Tom does feel more comfortable with Bowles, he got what he wanted. So I think I think that's been important. But, you know, Brady talking about his retirement, he was specifically asked about rumors with him and the Miami Dolphins. You know, there were reports that he was looking to become a minority owner. There were reports that he, you know, might consider playing quarterback for Sean Payton, whom the Miami Dolphins asked to interview, and the Saints turned him down before Payton resigned. Uh, his position there in New Orleans. Brady wouldn't speak specifically, did not mention the word Miami or Dolphins, but he said, I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. He didn't deny it. And he says, as I have the last three or four years of my career about different opportunities when I'm done playing football, and he said, you know, I just kind of made a decision what I want to do, uh, and I'll get to be in the game of football talking about his job with Fox when his career is over. And he says, I think, again, the most important thing for me is where he's at now, what he wants to accomplish and all of that. Um, And so he turned it back into the here and now. But it's clear, you know, you ask him about animosity between him and Arians, he says no, absolutely none. And then you ask him about any interaction, what what was he, you know, what were the things he was considering with the Dolphins? He just didn't mention them. He didn't deny it. He also didn't confirm it. So there's something that some discussions that were had, and ultimately it led him to to the – you know, broadcasting job that he's going to have at Fox. And he talked about the struggle, just trying to figure out what he wanted to do. Um, you know, he said it's easy when you're 25, you know what you're going to do next year when you get to be 43 or 44 and the kind of sacrifices he makes at this age to play, not to mention what his kids and his wife have to make. Um, that's a bigger commitment. And so, you know, he, as he, as he said, I have a complex, tricky life in a lot of different aspects and he's just trying to, trying to navigate that. Um, he thinks he can be happy without football eventually, and we don't know when that will be. This is his last year in a contract, but he talked about being a broadcaster, and um, you know, he, he says that you know it's clear now. I'm going to stay in football, and I think it'll be fun. He's looking forward to what, whatever, whenever that ha- happens when he decides to retire. Um, but again, back to the here and now. Um, you know, he had a lot of talks about a lot of opportunities and he chose broadcasting, which is something that most people didn't think that he would do. Um, and, you know, he spoke about Todd Bowles. Um, and we've discussed this as well. You know, Todd Bowles is somebody he competed against with the New York Jets. And Bowles had one winning season there in four. He went 10-6 and six with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. And that was the key because after that, the quarterback situation was either young or bad. Um, and there's a lot of things that went wrong with the Jets, and I think Bowles takes you know responsibility for you know his first run as a as a head coach. Um, but Brady has a real comfortability with him because this is sort of what Brady is used to. Remember, he came to the league back in 2000, which is incredible to believe. And some of the guys, some of his teammates, were born that year. Um, so you know, and you, and you consider you know the first 20 years of his career, he played with Bill Belichick, maybe the most old school, you know, hard ass coach in, in, in the NFL. So 
What he said about, I thought what he said about Bowles in his press conference was was telling. He said he's very detailed. He's really tough, hard-nosed coach. That's what Brady's used to. Not that B.A. is soft. I mean, you know, no doubt that Bruce Arians has some bite to him. Um, he's the, you know, coach him hard, hug him up later. And it was the hug him up later bit, you know, that didn't come soon enough probably for Brady. But he also wasn't calling the offense. He wasn't um, in the offensive meeting rooms. Uh, didn't call the plays. He was in a golf cart, and he was a CEO coach, and he let his coaches coach. And that's not what Brady's used to. So when he talks about Bowles, he called him a little bit of a throwback. He said, you know, you coach in New York, that toughens you up a lot. You coach with Arians for a long time. You coach with Bill Parcells. You get toughened up. I think he believes in a certain style of play, which is reflected in the way our defense performs. Um, and then he says this, and we have talked about this, him being more comfortable with Bowles and seeing the game the same way. Like they always, that kind of leaks out there. When Bowles got the job, he said that. And Brady kind of alluded to it when he said on Thursday, I think we've got to, we've got to play great complementary football between what they do defensively and what we do offensively and how the kicking game relates to that. Um, so, in other words, if you're playing a high-powered offense like the Rams, maybe you have to run the ball a little bit. You know, maybe you don't want to get in a, in a, in a track meet and a shootout and go three and out. Um, you know, the Rams and the Saints are the teams they've had the most trouble with, especially offensively trying to score points. Um, and so, you know, that that was interesting. Uh, the other thing that happens in training camp so far with Bulls, and Brady made mention of this. He said there's been a lot of competition throughout OTAs, throughout training camp, and I've always loved Todd as a coach, even when he was coaching against me. Todd Bulls, you know, Bruce Arians would have two fields going. He would have the younger guys on one field running the same practice as the veteran guys on the other field. Now it's one field for practice, a traditional, and it's been mostly what we call good on good, the first-team offense against the first-team defense. That ratchets it up the competition level because very often the first-team offense would go against the number twos, sometimes the threes, and so on. And then the number one defense would face the backup offense. That's been not been the case with Bulls. They've had a very competitive uh, off-season, OTAs, and then, of course, it concluded with the minicamp uh, on Thursday. So it was you know, it was really interesting. Uh, it was good to see him and talk to him. Uh, he seems focused. Tom Brady's always focused. His body's in great shape. His arm looked great these three days that we watched him play. Um, I, I, you know, the, you're going to have to consider that this is the last time, maybe the last year, we don't know when the last game is that you're going to see Tom Brady, but it's getting close to it. And, you know, so very interesting to talk to him. Uh, we'll, you know, won't be with them again until they go to, to uh, training camp back in July, end of July. That's the next uh, sort of milestone. So um, check it out in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com for all, all the Brady news. Hey, folks, let me tell you about Air Rescue. Don't suffer this summer. Why would you do that with an old AC system? It's getting hot as heck out there. Call the experts at Air Rescue. Air Rescue offers superior service. And just at unbeatable prices, uh, look, your air conditioning unit is going to perform 30% better. It's going to last longer with regular maintenance by Air Rescue. they got an award-winning team that delivers 24 hours a day. In fact, they have emergency service 24-7. If you've ever been without air conditioning, you know how important that is. 
100% satisfaction is guaranteed for residential installation and repairs. You've got a family-owned business with over 75 years in the area. Air Rescue offers 100% financing. These things are expensive, so you've got affordable payments, uh, very easy application process. You don't have any administration or bank fees or any extra costs with the financing. They're going to take care of all of that for you. Call our friends at Air Rescue at 813-612-5600 or go to airrescueflorida.com for all your air conditioning needs. The air conditioning experts, Air Rescue. All right, it's time for our exciting mailbag segment. All the answers 100% correct or your money back guarantee. Let's get started. All right, since we were talking Tom Brady and the Bucks, we'll start with those questions. And Michael had tweeted, are the Bucks concerned that a few players have reported to OTAs overweight, especially with a new head coach? Well, it's funny because that new head coach is so different from the old head coach uh, because if, if Bruce Harians had been on the podium the last few days, uh, and I assume that you're talking specifically about Leonard Fournette, uh, which we wrote about, um, Bruce would have called him out by name. I mean, Bruce would have said something snarky like, yeah, I saw him, and I thought he was one of our defensive linemen. You know, he would have said something like that. Um, it is a concern. And, you know, somebody out there the other day was making a comment or made a comment on Twitter about, like, oh, cue the, you know, cue the breathless who's overweight in, you know, June uh, takes. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, there's time for those guys to get back in shape. There's no question about that. There's not much time, all right? Uh, and it's a bigger problem than just a guy showing up, standing on a scale and saying, and, and as he said, he was 240-something, which in my mind is more like 250-something, because if you're not willing to admit 249, <laughs> you're probably over that. Uh, and so the concern is, you just paid Leonard Fournette. In other words, he played on a make-it contract the first two years. You first you got him from Jacksonville where they had had enough of his shenanigans. He came here. We we documented this many times where he was sulking, playing behind Ronald Jones, almost got released, inactive against Minnesota, yada, yada. Jones gets COVID, then playoff Lenny. Lombardi Lenny, great. Signs another one-year contract because there's not as much money in the system. He looked out in free agency. Nobody else had a better deal or a better opportunity for him. He came back under that one-year deal, played last season. Now he's a free agent again, and I don't know what happens to Leonard Fournette uh, if Tom Brady doesn't come back, and I mean that because Fournette had been out there for a little while, and, and the, you know Brady obviously signed before the start of free agency. He was in New England. I mean, he was making a trip to the Patriots, and that's, you know, as, as Fournette told the story the other day, Brady called and says, what is your ass doing up there? And, you know, he obviously Tom trusts Leonard Fournette, especially in pass protection. Not the greatest route runner. He gets in trouble for freelancing. But even then, Brady and him sort of have this street ball thing going where they, you know, Brady kind of figures out what he's doing, even though it's not always the right thing. So you sign him to a big deal, three-year deal, and for pretty good money, and the first time you see him under a new head coach, the first time you see him, he walks in the building and he looks like a nose tackle. That's a problem. And why is it a problem? Well, can he get it off? Maybe, no guarantee. 
I mean, he certainly didn't push his way himself away from any tables since the end of the season, okay? But more importantly, it's like this is kind of says something about who he is, right? Like it kind of says, uh, I'm not taking it real seriously. I'm not looking to have my best year. I got my money. You know, there's this kind of like, I got mine, so maybe now I can exhale a little bit and have a couple stakes. That's not what you want from a guy you just paid. What you want from a guy that just paid is somebody that says, you know what, too much is given, much is expected. I've got to show that I'm worth this. I've got to now up my game because they've invested in me and I am not going to slack off. I'm going to come back even better, right? And what does that do? Um, first of all, it sets the you know good mindset for the player. But more importantly, you've got a bunch of young, impressionable players on this team that are coming in here, some as rookies, um, one of those being Rashad White, and they're, they're not really sure what the NFL is about, right? Rashad White said something like, I'm going in there to be a starter. And he's like, yeah, that's a good mentality and you know all that, and that's great. But he's going to get here, and he's been here on OTA sweating and doing all those things. And that's fine. It's voluntary. Not every veteran's at, at OTAs. But Leonard Fournette walks in, and this is the guy, right? This is, this is who I want to aspire to be. I want to be that alpha dog running back that, you know, three down back, doesn't come off the field, got the big contract, and he walks in here, and he's too fitty, right? And you're thinking, oh, okay. So that's how you do it, you know? You don't, you don't want those guys to, to be looking at Leonard Fournette thinking this is acceptable. He's supposed to set the room, right? He's supposed to be the veteran. He's supposed to be the star. So that means guys are looking up to you. It's kind of like if you go in a room and, and you're in the meeting rooms and one guy's not taking notes at all, and they call on him and he doesn't know the assignment. Well, what's the other guy's going to do? They're not going to take notes either. They're looking at you. They're watching you. As opposed to you find a player that's played 15 years and he's taking the best notes there are and he knows every answer to every pop quiz. Then you're going, yeah, I understand why he's played 10 years in the league. So it's more like football is a team sport. And, you know, these guys are professionals. They do it for the living. All you do is make money with your body. Like if I was an actor, if I was an athlete, if I was a sports writer, if the Tampa Bay Times said to me, Rick, I need you at 180 because we think you write better stories at 180. But here's the thing. We will pay you as one of the top sports writers in the country. And we expect you to be at about 185 or so. Buddy, I'd lose the 20 pounds or so or 30 pounds that I need to lose to get down there. You know? And and this is the thing. Like, he makes his living because it's going to help him stay healthy. They weren't happy with him at the end of last season. He pulled his hamstring. They were counting on him against Philadelphia. Uh, looked like he was going to play. And at the last minute, like on Saturday, he's like, no, I'm out. And, and you know, that's when Keyshawn Vaughn had to step up. There's some hungry running backs on this team. Keyshawn Vaughn has made a big leap as far as a pass catcher goes. He's getting pushed by, you know, Rashad White, who's very smooth. I think this guy, I think this guy when he figures it out, he's going to be a hell of a player. And then you've still got Giovanni Bernard who's looking for playing time. So, you know, don't think that, you know, it's just going to be handed to Leonard Fournette. He's going to have to do it on the field. But, yeah, it is a big deal. I think it's a damn big deal. And I think in this heat, um, you come out here, you're not in shape, 
you lose a lot of water weight, you sweat it out, you're going to get cramps, you're going to get soft tissue injuries, and then here comes the hamstring pull. So he needs to get in shape, but he's got to get in shape pretty quick. All right, Ellis tweeted, Does Indomitian Sue eventually end up on the Bucks roster despite them signing Akeem Hicks? I don't think so. Not unless he doesn't sign anywhere else and they have an injury. Um, this is filed this under you never say never. I'm not sure what's going on with Indomitian Sue because when Bowles was hired, he tweeted out something like, yeah, it looks like you use one more defensive player type of thing. And, of course, we know they went and, and they got Hicks. And we kind of talked about Hicks the other day. Um, he's three years younger, uh, not as durable, hadn't played, you know, again, Sue's never missed a game in his career. So there's that. But it's kind of a different job, you know, like, and he's cheaper. You know, everybody says, well, $10 million. No, it wasn't $10 million. It was $6.5 million. It was one year, $6.5 million. He can make up to $8 million, but it's on a per-game bonus. In other words, this is a guy that two years ago played in five games and last year played in nine. Okay, so if he plays in 17, sure, he can make his $8 million. Um, But he may not do that. So they have insurance against that. So he's a younger, cheaper version of Sue, but the job is different. I think the biggest thing is that they really, really like Logan Hall. And Warren Sapp, who worked with him, really likes Logan Hall. And I've talked to Bruce Arians about him, and he really likes Logan Hall. And they may all be wrong as rain about the kid. I don't know. Um, but he's got some dog in him. He's long, he's explosive, and he can run. And I think that they're going to develop Logan Hall, and it's going to be more of a rotational thing. Hicks will start. There's no question about that. And he'll go as long and as hard as he can. But if you think Hicks is going to play 71, 75% of the snaps the way Sue did, one, the contract doesn't necessitate that. You're not paying him 8 or $9 million. And two, you want to develop the other kid. You want to create opportunity for him. So I think it's going to be more of a rotational thing. If Hicks gets hurt, if Akeem Nunez Roaches were to get hurt at some point, if Sue was still out there, and it was a prorated type contract because there's only eight games left or six game, you know, we're six games into the season or something like that. Yeah, if they could find the salary cap room and he was still game, I guess he would sign. My my guess is most teams are having their their mini camps this week, so it may be one of those things where he signs right before the start of a training camp somewhere because people aren't quite sure what they have once they get through this week, or. He goes, you know, people go into training camp and lose some players due to injuries, and then he gets what he wants. I don't know what that number is. I mean, the thing is, Ndamukong Su has made a ton of money in his career, like a ton of money. And at this point, you know, he's got a thousand other businesses, and he's really an entrepreneur, and he's kind of setting himself up for this uh, post-football career for, for a long time now. And he really, really, he gets off on it. You know, he's friends with Warren Buffett, all that. So this might be the time where he goes, you know what, if I can't secure $9 million a year or $8.5 million, if I can't be the starter, I don't need to play. You know, like maybe that's enough. 12 years, never missed a game, borderline Hall of Fame player. Like maybe, maybe, maybe I've had enough. So, you know, and if he hasn't, what price would he pay for? Would he play for six? Would he play for six and a half? 
I mean, if he would have played for six and a half, maybe he's on this team, right? Like part of me says, well, yeah, Akeem Hicks may not be much of an upgrade over in Domicon. Why isn't he here? Well, I mean, what's the guy playing for? Playing for a maximum of eight, ten if he were, you know, the $10 million is $2 million on there for winning a Super Bowl, being a first-team All-Pro. Akeem Hicks ain't going to do that. I mean, he might win a Super Bowl. He's not going to be first-team All-Pro. Um, if he is, he deserves the money. But I think part of it's financial. I don't think, to answer the question directly, no, I don't think Sue is going to have a spot on this team. I think that's Hicks's job. But, again, you never say never. They have a history with the guy. And, you know, if something were to happen and he were available and wanted to play for a certain amount of money, it could happen. But I, it's definitely not in the cards. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, we'll switch to Lightning now. And Les had tweeted us. He says, Nikita Kucherov has a lot of postseason accolades. If he never played another minute of hockey, is he a Hall of Famer? Um, I'm not as versed in, in, in those sort of milestones that guys have to reach to hit to make the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's got two Stanley Cups working on a third. Mm-hmm. He's been an MVP, which puts him in a different category. Marty St. Louis was an MVP who won one Stanley Cup. Played a little longer than Cooch if Cooch were to stop right now. I mean, Cooch has played eight years of regular season. Yeah. So, to me, that's kind of the problem. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't know that he has the longevity and the numbers because some of the – like, he missed a whole year and played only in the playoffs. Right. Um, definitely one of the best postseason players of all time. But I don't think he's quite there. Could be wrong about this. I don't know that he's yeah, quite there Yeah, I don't think he's there yet. Now. I mean, 246 goals – yeah, six hundred sixteen points over five hundred sixty-two games, so more than a point a game guy. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think he's there yet. And, and look, if he continues on the path, yeah, I oh, think he'll he make gets it. There, depending on how long you're kind of looking at. Am I wrong played, about he this? He hasn't played long enough yet. Am I wrong about this? Like a thousand points is a big deal, right? Yes, that's kind of one of those marks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, you know, he wins a con Smythe. He wins another that MVP. That puts him in it. Yeah, yeah, that puts you him know, in it. Obviously, if he gets a third or fourth Stanley Cup, I mean, yeah. those all help add to it, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think he's there yet. It's more of longevity than it is skill or production. Right, right. No, he's got Hall of Fame talent. It's just he's got to compile the numbers in the resume. Mm-hmm. But he's building one. Boy, is he building one quickly. Yeah. Paul had tweeted, says, why in the world would Alex Kalorn grab a guy right in front of the referee in the Lightning's offensive zone at the end of game four? Did he forget where he was at? He stopped the big cat shutout and added late drama we didn't need. I don't know how much drama it was. It was a six on four. Um, 
referees are always on the ice, so like that, you know, like, hey ref, watch me grab this guy. What, what I didn't get is when he came out of the box after the Ranger scored, he was yelling at the official, and I'm like, you grabbed the guy's jersey and yanked on it. What did you expect? Yeah, I don't know what else the official could do. I mean, it was right there. No, maybe he was complaining know. about something else. I mean, you know, we did. Could I don't have know been. what he was saying to the official, but it was like, you, you want to grab the jersey and yanked on it. Just kind of panicked. I mean, it, it happens, right? I mean, you're coming out of the box. You're trying mm-hmm. to kill. I don't know. I that was a dumb play. Mm-hmm. You know, it cost him a shutout. It, it didn't make the game. Yeah, I mean, Vasi at the end of the day doesn't care. It's a, it, it, the no. win. The win is what yeah. matters. Yeah, and it was, and you know, five on five, he stoned him. You know, mm-hmm. power play goals. I mean, that's that's been how the Rangers have won. You know, it, it seems like the Ray or the Rays. It seems like if the Lightning have a formula. To beat the Rangers, it's stay out of the box, uh, you know, get pucks deep, press, you know, throw a lot of them on the net, and mm-hmm. make them go two hundred feet, and you're going to win. Yep. And so, but on the other hand, if you give them, you know, this was the end of the game, so it was six on four. But if you give them the power play chances, they're going to bury a bunch of them. So, yeah, I don't. It's kind of a dumb play. I mean, it happens, right? Yep. There's a lot of stuff that happens out there. Man. Yeah. I don't understand. And we should know that we're taping this before Game Five, so that's why we haven't come to Game Five. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just for scheduling reasons. So, uh, exactly. Tommy had tweeted us. He says, "Rick, next season, any chance the Lightning wear their reverse retro jerseys they wore last season and make them their third jersey instead of the black ones?" No. Yeah, the black ones are very popular. I love the black ones. I think they're great, mm-hmm. and I like the re- retro was cool too. But I think that should just be for like. I don't know, special occasions. Like to me, when they wear the black ones on the week, where well, they wear it on weekends, right? Like on Sundays usually or Saturdays or whatever. Uh, they, they used to wear, like the first year it was every Saturday. Um, yeah. Now they wear them, I don't know, seven or eight times a year. Against Toronto because they look alike. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, I love the black. And and the original, correct me if I'm wrong, weren't the original Lightning jerseys black, the, the original sweaters? I believe so. I wasn't around that were. time here. Yeah, so. I'm pretty sure they were. But but regardless, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't I don't think they'll replace them. I mean, they do a hell of a job marketing, though. I mean, all their merch is really good. I love their colors. Uh, I like the Rays colors, too. Like, they're, you know, the Bucks are red, but everybody else in this town is kind of blue and white. But um, they do a nice job with all of that stuff. And. You know, good for them. They're like the alternative jerseys. And they have those things, too, where, you know, their warm-up jerseys like green for St. Patrick's Day or... Uh, the Gasparilla warm-up jerseys were cool Gasparilla one was Like, that was awesome. Like, they should wear that in a game. Did they ever wear that in a game? I don't no. think they did, no. right? No. That thing is awesome. Um, yeah, that was cool. But, I mean, it, the Lightning's just such a... You know, that bolt, like, you think of the iconic sort of logos in the NHL and obviously they didn't get here till late but uh it's definitely it's definitely memorable like you see that bolt you know you're talking about the lightning and it's it's uh just a I mean top to bottom that organization is so good <laughs> they're so good at what they do and marketing is part of it but the jersey thing yeah no I I like the black they're too good they're too popular yeah they're not going to change those all right, we'll end on this one. It's a longer question that Ken had emailed in. He says, much like people in New England are reconsidering Bill Belichick's genius after Tom Brady's departure, should Rays fans reconsider Joe Madden? Twice he was gifted teams loaded with top draft picks. 
David Price, Evan Longoria, B.J. Upton, Carl Crawford in Tampa Bay. He had Bryant and Rizzo and Baez in Chicago. And he led those loaded teams to the World Series. Hat tip, despite the curious moves he made along the way. He brought positivity to young talent. Credit. But the more time goes on, and you see how it ended in Chicago and L.A., maybe Joe and his pajama parties wasn't the secret sauce. I look back at my frustrations with the 09-13 Rays and how they were stubbornly maddeningly managed by Joe and think, did he not get the juice out of the roster that he should have? Is the genius at the chop really the front office? Kevin Cash has done more with less in many ways. Is Andrew Friedman, Tom Brady, and Joe Madden really more of a stubborn, quote, believe in my own greatness, end quote, Bill Belichick? Wow. Um, that's a lot to parse there. Let's just talk about Joe Madden. Um, understand what he inherited. Um, you know, there was an ownership change, obviously. Came to a team that was losing 100 games a year. Lost 100 games his first year. Um, nobody wanted to come here as a free agent, for the most part. They had a lot of young players. Their best players were still developing. I mean, Longoria, you know, his rookie season, they go to the World Series, right? So the turnaround that happened, the rebranding that happened, the the you know, the emphasis on analytics... Joe's willingness at that time to embrace those analytics, you know, uh, those were all key things. And, you know, maybe he doesn't get the job unless he's willing to think out of the box and he's Joe Madden. You know, they they didn't hire a big name, you know. Pinella had been here. I mean, other guys had been here. But they they wanted somebody to carry the water for them, you know, sell this to your to your team. Um, this is the way we're going to do things. And with the payroll that was one-fourth of the teams in the American League East, they weren't winning the damn division. I mean, they they took down the evil empire and the Red Sox and the Yankees and so on. And they went to a World Series, and yeah, they lost. Um, it's unfortunate. A pretty good Phillies team beat them, and it turned on a cold, rainy night in Philadelphia when the game was continued. So... I mean, living that back in 08 and my son was coming up and he was young and digging on the Rays and stuff, like Madden made the Rays cool again. And they had some great players. I mean, obviously, you know, Evan Longoria and B.J. Upton and, you know, different guys that came along at that time. So they had talent, Ben Zobrist, you know, but they were doing things that other teams weren't doing, you know, at that time. The, the tons of shifts, like all the only, and, and Madden had to sell that. He also, he also had to sell his players on, you know, okay, so I don't, we don't have the big name guys like like the Yankees, and we can't compete in free agency. And oh yeah, when some of our stars get to be free agents, they're going to move on like David Price, uh, and that's tough. And you have to completely sell your your younger guys. Uh, that they can compete. And I thought he did that, and I thought he kept it fresh. I thought he he related to those guys. He he kept it fun. Yeah, you know, they had the Penguins in the locker room or the clubhouse, and, you know, there was some goofy stuff in the pajama parties on the plane and stuff like that. From, a, from my standpoint, um, there's so much pressure in baseball. It's a failure sport. I played it. Uh, you, you, you know, 
the best player in the world fails seven out of ten times. That's hard to handle, quite frankly. Madden made it about him so that his players didn't feel it and didn't he took it on himself and he kept it light for them and kept fun and so I don't think he I don't think he was given too much credit did he win the world series no guess what one team wins it every year just one the other 29 they all failed in their objective which was to win the world series so it's hard to win them then he goes to chicago which hadn't won in 100 years plus right and he takes a cubs team Add some. They add some pieces to it with Theo Epstein, whatever. And he 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 makes history in that city that, you know, the lovable losing Chicago Cubs, the, they do the impossible. They win a World Series in dramatic fashion, I might add, over the Cleveland Indians. And all of a sudden, you know, Madden, you know, nobody loves their coaches, by the way, more than Chicago, <laughs> because you win a championship up there, you're beloved forever. And ask Mike Ditka. And, uh, you know, what, Phil Jackson. Uh, So he made the Cubs baseball cool again. What happened there, you know, whether it was, you know, didn't see eye to eye or the money or whatever it was, I'm not exactly sure. I'm also not sure what happened with the Angels because that's the job. You know, he began, he spent all his years there, and they were – 12 game or 10 games over 500 and all of a sudden they lost 12 13 in a row or 12 in a row when joe was there and he gets fired okay you want to hold the manager accountable but they were piling more analytics what people don't understand and he said this after he got fired by the angels is he was pushing against it he thought it was too much uh he wanted to manage more from his gut he wanted to you know it's a tool but let's not shove it down our players throats and I think he, he got a little respite from that in Chicago, and then he was right back into it again uh, with the new GM with the Angels. So, look, Madden wasn't for everybody. And at the end of the day, all anyone cares about is, did you win or not? You know, to the victor goes the spoils. There's a lot of different ways to manage. Uh, he's a character. He's one of the best humans I've been around in, in, in that business. So I enjoyed him wherever he's been. I don't think he is overrated. And I don't think, by the way, Bill Belichick's not overrated either, okay? Um, Is it true that he's a 500 coach or thereabouts without Tom Brady? Yeah, it's true. Um, But look at all the different players that Belichick has had. And you don't just win with a quarterback. You have to have teams around that quarterback. And whether he got elite talent or not around Brady, that can be debated. He came up with some pretty elite defenses, though. And for the early part of Brady's career, it was a defense that was winning championships for them, not Tom. And, and as great as he was, you know, taking over from Bledsoe and whatever, um, that's how they won. So, you know, you don't have to worry about Brady's genius. And I've always said this, too. It's like people don't have to tell you how great they are. That What they do, their records, uh, their championships, that'll tell you who you are. And Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time um, in my book. And Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And there's nothing, you know, overrated about any of those guys. And I, I, I don't know that Joe Madden's in that category. Um, but I'll tell you what, he's got a World Series ring and he did it in Chicago. And that's history. And so, you know, and he, and he took a Rays team that lost 100 games every year and got them to the World Series way before anybody thought they could and went to the playoffs several times, changed the culture of that, of that franchise. And, yeah, Kevin Cash picked it up and ran with it. 
and let's see if he can win a World Series because he's now lost one too. Um, two-time manager of the year, is he overrated? Again, there's only one champion every year. Um, but all those other guys you're talking about, not overrated. And I don't think Madden was either. Thanks for your question. The Rays are at the Minnesota Twins this weekend. We'll talk about the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, Lightning versus Rangers games five and six. Do all of that for you on Monday. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 